I'd like to ship that scientist and that military official right before they woke up the immortal leech. <laughs> Dude, if I was that sandwich, I what that sandwich? Did I say that sandwich? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure the Immortal Legion saw them as sandwiches. I mean, that's probably what they think. You know, when we finally caught you, I was expecting you to put up more of a fight. Oh well, victory is boring. It's another episode of Full Metal Analysts. Welcome to our show where Freeriders analyze each and every episode of Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. I'm Michelle. And I'm Mike. Wait a second. Wait a minute. <laughs> where, where's Arthur? I don't know. Oh my God, where is Arthur? I'm getting here this message and it's saying that Arthur is currently, he's going to see a marriage in the country of Shing, so he can't be here today. Oh, wow. That's too bad. No, it's not bad. It's actually really good because guess what, Mike? What? I'm the new leader of the gang. Me, 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 me. Michelle is the new leader of the gang and life just got way more awesome. Yeah. And our guests today are the hosts of the Manga Mavericks <laughs> podcast, a show about the industry and the artistry of manga. Please welcome to the show, Colton and Lum. Hey, what's up? Hi, guys. Hey, hey guys. Happy to be on. It's such a festification. Now things Whee! truly have gotten all that much better. <laughs> I am the new leader. You see, yeah. it used to be Arthur because Arthur is in the middle of our logo, but now it's me. But let's start things off as we always do whenever you have a brand new guest, which is by asking you to, Colton and Lum, how did you get started with Full Metal Alchemist? You know, thanks to the good folks in Documentarians over at Swimpedia, I can even tell you exactly what dates I first saw and got into FMA. But I do remember that it was also the first night I caught Venture Brothers. But little did I know I was getting my heart pumped up for heartbreak because the program after Venture Brothers was not other than the original FMA. And wouldn't you know it, faithfully it just so happens the episode I tuned into that night was episode 7, Night of the Chimera's Cry. And I was not prepared for what was coming. It gave me nightmares for weeks. As such, I would refuse to watch anime and adults swim for almost five years because I feared they would all be as grim and dark and upsetting. However, as I grew older, I became more receptive to anime with a darker edge. And because Brotherhood would air right before Bleach, that's how I caught an episode. And the first episode of Brotherhood I caught was on July 31st, 2010. You know, I kept it with Brotherhood. I really enjoyed it. And I started... The manga around the same time. I started watching the original FMA on Netflix. You know, I remember during my high school senior math class, we were given introductions that our classmates know a little bit about ourselves on our favorite shows. And I mentioned my favorite shows at the time were Brotherhood and Monica Magica. And I remember one kid really laughing at that, but my teacher actually asked me about them afterward because the title sounded interesting to him. Yeah, so unlike Lum, I never really caught any of Full Metal Alchemist when it was on TV. I mean, I was one of those kids who like would keep their TV on at night as like some uh, as like a form of background noise while they slept at night. Same. And, uh, <laughs> I have vivid memories of like waking up to like the original FMA animes like second opening and always kind of like catching that and being like, oh, this looks like a cool show. And then I just never watched it. I know I got into it through the manga first. I eventually got a good friend of mine into uh, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood in particular. I had a pretty easy time like showing him the show, even though it was my first time watching it. I have a lot of fond memories of basically getting into Brotherhood like at the same time as my best friend. So it's a good show. What can I say? Yeah. By the way, Venture Brothers, good show. 
This week's episode is The Immortal Legion. It was directed by Kiyomitsu Sato, who directed seven episodes total, including Signs of a Counteroffensive, Advanced of the Fool, and more. It was written by Shishi Minakami, who wrote eight episodes total, including Emissary of Darkness, Revving at Full Throttle, and more. And to get things started, we're going to do a improvised recap of this week's episode. This is the moment in the podcast where one of us will do a 21-second improvised recap of what happened in this week's episode, like I said. And that person will be decided by the roll of a dice. If he lands on one, it's me. If he lands on two, it's Mike. If he lands on three, it's Lum. And if he lands on four, it's Colton. Oh, okay. please don't bleep me. Oh, no. So let's roll the dice. Oh, my God. Four. Oh, no, it's me. <laughs> you asked for it. Just think about it for a quick second. Don't get caught up on any one thing. Just keep rolling. You know what I mean? Trust your instincts. Remember what your parents told you. You got that. <laughs> Here we go. All right. Three, two, one. Go. Okay, so uh, there's a bunch of undead people with the, with other people's souls, and uh, they're going after Ed and the gang, and uh, that that's happening. Uh, Olivia Armstrong is in this episode, and she fights Slot, and it's a pretty cool fight. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Pride is still in the big rock dome thing. Uh, okay, I tried. <laughs> Just go ahead and wrap it up. Wrap it up. Well, here. So, yeah, Pride and Alphonse are still in the big rock thing. He secretly sent out Morse code to Kimberly, who ends up rescuing him. And uh, Alphonse and uh, Heinkel end up basically fighting back against Pride and Kimberly in what I think is probably my favorite part of the episode, but I'm sure we'll get to that later. Yeah. You missed one thing. Oh, what, what, and what I, I honestly think we should get it out of the way. Oh, yeah. Um, there it comes. There it oh, comes. right. Yeah, yeah. Mike, do you want to start the segment? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another segment of Panda Talk. <laughs> This episode has a scene where May is running in the sewers and, you know, being a natural fuck up, she lets Envy get eaten by one of the zombies. And that means Envy gets his body back. Let's not and be too harsh. Let's not be too harsh. No, let's be absolutely well, harsh. it's her fault. She should not have gone back to Central with Envy. She should have just gone to Jing like was the plan, but she let Envy trick him into going back. Her first line is it looks like you tricked me, and I just wanted to go, no shit, lady. <laughs> yeah, and he's still like, actually, if you just go a little bit further into the trap, you'll see that it's not a trap at all. Look, I we can't really know what's going on inside the panda's head. I think little panda's like, you know, don't do this. This is bad this is fucking stupid you cannot do this like so i agree that may is failing as a character but the panda is really shining through as someone who we can get behind who's like why are you doing this you know no the camera never cut to that but i think we all know there's this moment in the scene with may where she's like dodging the zombies and that was really well animated but it just kind of illuminated how useless the panda is. It's miming trying to fight, too. Like, it's not actually fighting. It's just jumping around like it is trying to fight, but it's doing nothing. It's just, what are you doing? What's even the point? It's like oh, the equivalent of Scrappy-Doo saying, let me at him, let me at him, but like sweet. not actually oh, no. enacting any change. My sweet, sweet, brave little panda doing everything you can. In terms of the animation for this episode, this is the best sequence. Like, the, this yes. entire scene with May and the panda and Envy, especially a lot of those uh, the transformation sequence with Envy making their comeback. Holy shit. That's probably yeah. some of the best animation in this entire show. At least I... Character it, acting yeah. wise, it's amazing. Even Envy talking after is well animated. Like, we don't deserve Studio Bones, quite honestly. 
if it wasn't predicated on like a character making a dumb decision to get to mm. that point. And that, ladies and gentlemen, was another great segment of uh, you know Panda Talk. I just want to bring up real quick something that at the beginning that made me laugh pretty hard that uh, I love it when shows do this is when the character says the title of the thing when they activate the Immortal Legion and he literally says, ah, oh, we have our Immortal Legion. And I was like, he said it. <laughs> what is this, some kind of Star Trek? <laughs> <laughs> I think it would be the end of Star Wars if someone's like, these Star Wars have to end. <laughs> oh my God. I think I'm self-parody at that point. It just goes, do, 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 do. All we've ever had is Star Wars. What about Star Peace? <laughs> um, you know, actually, speaking of the Immortal Legion, when it came to like the crowd shots of them, of uh, they're Ed all and CG. The gank, yeah, yeah. I I actually didn't think that was too bad. Like, obviously, I noticed it was CG, but like, it wasn't so noticeable to the point where it turned me off. If anything, I actually thought it made them look creepier. But that's just me. They have that uncanny look about them, which which yeah. kind of worked, I think, you know, because mm -hmm. they felt different. I, I think it worked up until the moment where it's like Ed and, and his friends and it's like a crowd yeah. shot and they're just in the background. And yeah, you're just kind of like, was... what are they waiting for? You know, they're just like, like that is so ridiculous. That's the narrative problem. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also an animation problem is that they can't animate like all of these creatures, like attacking them all at once so it looks like they're just like hanging back in a crowd watching as this they fight every... one at a time and they're like waiting for their turn to go in that's really polite of them yeah why are these mindless beasts like just waiting to attack Watch these guys? any batman action sequence from any batman movie and it's the same thing yeah you know i want to mm -hmm. jump on that because you mentioned the verse ninja theory law if i can bring up another thing we mentioned last season another narrative thing we mentioned last season and that's the concept of the door the door refers to the door at the end of titanic which everyone talks about how like jack could totally fit in that door and so we came up with mm -hmm. the idea of the door as a thing that keeps people from enjoying a work of right. fiction, like a right. small thing mm. that keeps you from enjoying a work of fiction. And right. we were mm -hmm. talking about whether or not Metal Alchemist has a door, and I think this episode kind of begins to deal with the door. I don't think it's the door in itself, but the scene where Alphonse is being convinced to use the Philosopher's Stone. That's my veal yeah. argument. Yeah, so mm. here's the thing. I don't like that scene because it feels like... It feels sweaty as, as hell. The choice to use the Philosopher's Stone. Yeah, I, I agree that it is a sweaty writing. It felt like Arakawa kind of wrote herself into a corner of like, okay, how does Al and Heinkel get out of the situation? And now they'll use the Philosopher's Stone as a power-up. But, oh, wait, using the Philosopher's Stone is unethical. Uh, well, the bad guys are doing it for bad things, but they're going to use it for good things. So that makes it okay. And it's this kind of slippery <laughs> slope of logic that... It kind of erases a lot of consequences and it also kind of now you're using this as kind of like a get out of jail free card and kind of cheapens kind of the dramatic weight of the entire show about like dealing with the ethics of the creation of this philosopher's stone and our hero steadfast being like, no, this is wrong. It would have been neat to have him do it, knowing full well that this is a disgusting thing he's doing. You know what I mean? Realize it because I actually don't think it's that weird that they would first not want to do it and then feel like, well, we have to do it, you know, yeah, same. in order mm -hmm. to win. It doesn't really feel like that. It feels more like, hey, you know what? We could use this because we're good guys. No, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. it, doesn't, it doesn't feel like the show is building up towards this like moral right. dilemma. It just feels like we need to have Al fight 
pride, but for some reason he cut off his legs, so he needs his legs back. So here's a philosopher's stone that Heinkel just happened to have in his pocket. Right, it's like, yeah, he can't get anywhere. He's, his legs are cut off. There's smoke everywhere. He's screwed. And then all of a sudden, it's like, you know. I have a get out of jail free card. That's like the problem with whenever you have in a story a get out of jail free card. And I think we just came up with a new concept, which is <laughs> whenever you have these cards, you always spend so much time answering why doesn't the person use it? Like, it's the fucking eagles from Lord of the Rings. It's the Avatar straight from Avatar. You waste so much time. No, one does not simply fly into <laughs> but, Mordor. But, but, like, you get what I'm saying, right? It's like, the instant you have the eagles rescue them at the end, everyone's going to sit up and go, why didn't the eagles just take them there in the first place? Yeah. You could have just had Pride not grab Al's legs or something, you know? Or the situation needed to be more desperate. Or, really, it's really a problem with tone. Like... Framing the use of philosophers, you know, as like a heroic thing. The heroes have the moral high ground, so that justifies them using it. Really, it should have been a desperation thing of like, no, we don't want to use it, but there absolutely is no choice. Yeah, like Al begging his brother forgiveness in his head. Like, I'm sorry, brother, yeah. but I have to do this because otherwise yeah. I'm going to die. It should have been bittersweet. I totally agree with everyone is saying here, but I want to step in because I specifically wanted to be on for this episode because I love the way this episode ends. And I think I mentioned this on my Twitter too, but like I have not reread or rewatched Full Metal Alchemist in about a decade or so. But when I read this part in the manga and when I saw this in Brotherhood, like this entire bit like still sticks with me and I still think about it to this day. Like I don't want to come off like I'm invalidating anyone's points because I totally agree. But God damn it, if it isn't the awesomest thing you've ever seen when Alphonse <laughs> comes out of the smoke and Heinkel tells him like, hey, give him hell for me, Alphonse. No, uh, you're right. <laughs> and he, he comes out of the smoke. The anime theme is playing in the background and it cuts to the ending. Like... This is the kind of episode where, like, I actually kind of thought about watching the rest of the show afterwards because it just it got me that excited. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to wrap this up by saying I was editing last week's episode, episode 50. Mike and Arthur said something about how Roy came across as cool despite his actions not being 100% right. And it felt to me like there was this choice being proposed where, like, you can either be cool or you can be consistent. And I don't think you have to choose. You can be both. You can be cool and consistent. And I just feel like more and more Full Metal Alchemist is proving that it'd rather be cool than be consistent about the story it's telling and the ideas that it's trying to convey. Yeah, yeah I think that's a really legitimate criticism of the entire series, even from the first episode. Ultimately, I think the show does an extremely good job at character and story. But I think that it does. I think you're right, Michelle. I think that the major failing is that they'll always cut the corners off character and story to get to the action. You know what I mean? Yeah. And sometimes mm -hmm. that's great. And sometimes that does actually really work out extremely well. You're just like razzmatazz and just everything executes. But sometimes you're just like, whoa, that was really evocative and cool and, and everything. But I'm scratching my head a little bit here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I do think that the heroes in this final stretch of the story you know, get off pretty easy, all things considered, and a lot of tough choices they should have had to make, they ultimately can walk those back. It does feel a little too easy for these characters to just do, make this decision and then just go on with the show just uh, in service of the action. I just want to say something, and I hate it, and it's probably going to be another rant. 
I pointed this out in the previous episode. I cut it because I think it was too flimsy, but now it's back with full force. How the fuck did Alphonse and Heichel not notice the fucking banging on the helmet earlier? Yeah, you know what? This, I know. I'm so this episode, dumb. This episode makes me actually think that's even a dumber thing for you to say, Michelle, because... Why? What do you mean? Why? Why? Who cares if someone's doing Morse code in the middle of a dome? Because he's been it's doing this all night. It's your enemy. Heiko literally says, "I've been hearing that banging since yesterday." Yeah, but who can hear that? How can? Yeah, how can Mike, you when hear I that? go to the bathroom and I hear a single. I immediately start listening to a pattern. How the fuck did these two people <laughs> did, he... did not listen to a pattern? He's Why been doing he this for the whole day. And it's because it's just like pattern. It's tunk, tunk, tunk. It's like, it's the same three notes again and again and again. But also, why did Alphonse let him play with his damn head for so long? Like, seriously. That is a like, little Like, I know Alphonse can be a little naive, but that is just a little too dumb for him yeah, to just yeah. let I, his enemy play with his body like that. To be fair, just speaking as probably the biggest idiot in the room, it would take me about this long to catch on. Yeah, I don't oh I, I definitely wouldn't let him play with my, like, head. But... <laughs> Alphonse supposed to be a little smarter than this. And Heinkel is like a military guy, right? So he should have picked up on that. And also, you're not Alphonse who, and I say this before, and fuck it, I'm going to say it again. I cut it, so I'm going to say it again for the first time. Alphonse is an alchemist. Alchemist works in codes. Mm -hmm. How not did he not catch code. that? Not it's the code. Codes are about patterns. No matter what code you're talking about, they're about patterns. Yeah, but it's like just because you're good at crossword puzzles doesn't mean that you're good at, like, you know, hangman, you know? Wait, of course it is because it's the <laughs> same basic skill. It's a different skill. It's a different skill. It's like, I think that you could be good at some codes. You're good at alchemy codes, but you're maybe you don't know Morse code. You know what, Mike? Here's what I have to say to you. All right, now it's time for shipping and handling. Oh, God. What do you have to ship? Uh, Alan Heinkel, obviously. You know, they had a good heart. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm slamming the no button. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. Containment, containment. My prediction exactly, guys. Like, I predicted this. I said, they're going to just go ham on everyone. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> and lo and behold, Mike was sadly correct again. You want to know something you didn't predict? New opening. Oh, well, I did see this new You know what's funny is, like, I didn't pay attention until half the opening was over. And I was like, oh, wait, I should have been paying attention to this. <laughs> this is, like, my... I'm not going to say my favorite. I'm going to say that my least unliked i like what i saw though i saw the mom i think that mom is going to be in a pivotal moment like they're going to see their mom from the other side and she's going to either be able to give them some encouragement a la harry potter's parents like just a little bit of a push and they're going to remember all their friends and who they're fighting for just like in every shonen anime yeah something like that it's really going to be their mom and it's, she's going to be on the other side and she's going to be like mother oh my god mike yeah it's time for you to i i can't come up with this time so it's mikey at the bat oh i don't even know where i am right now This is the moment in the podcast where Mike has to guess what happens in next week's episode based only on the thumbnail and the episode's title. Mike, will you please tell us what's happening in the thumbnail for next week's episode, Combined Strength? Oh, yeah. Looks like it's an Armstrong team up against Sloth. 
You know, it makes sense that this next episode, of course, is going to be like probably the next string of episodes are just going to be these showdowns after showdown after showdown, almost tournament style until, you know, it's Ed and Al versus the main boss, right? So next episode's obviously going to be the Armstrong siblings versus Sloth while Al is going off against Pride and uh, Prejudice. Come on, that's good. No, I'm not. Uh, I'm not acknowledging that. <laughs> that makes sense. It works. I think Kimberly is going to get just killed. Hmm. He might get away, but I think there's a good chance that Al is the person to take out Kimberly. I could be wrong, but I feel like it makes sense that Al would take out Kimberly because Kimberly is easily the most wicked human in this story. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And Al is easily the most pure, even though he just used a philosopher's stone. He is easily <laughs> the most pure, you know, and I think that would make make sense for like Al to take him out. Like, but I could be wrong. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot that has to go on. There's like 50 more episodes, 50, five, zero. So we don't know. It would be funny if that's what he got right. Oh, <laughs> the, episode, the episode just starts with Al punching right through Kimberly's face. You know, I've done that before, right? Like, I've literally done this before. Where I've been yeah, like, yeah, yeah, never mind. The episode just starts off with, like, Al just on top of Kimberly's corpse. Like, oh, man, that was a great fight. Wish you guys could have seen it. Oh, man. Now that Mike has given his prediction, it's time for us to grade this episode on a scale from one to five stars. I'm going to get things started by saying... Uh, I really wanted to give this five, but I think the conversation we had about Al diminished a little bit of the score I had for this episode. I'm going to give it 4.5. I think it was really strong. And I think that power comes from the fact that all these plot lines are connected by the theme, the theme of like resilience. It's funny to keep repeating the words, why bother? I found that to be very enticing and thrilling and entertaining. And so that's why I'm giving it a 4.5. I'm going to give this uh, an enthusiastic four stars. The L thing is kind of a big one, you know what I mean? It's a big deal because it's it undervalues the philosophy of the show. But it says something about how good this show is that it's still a four-star episode, even when it contradicts itself, you know? I enjoyed the episode. I definitely had my criticisms, though. I think that Al's scene, emotionally, it works very well in terms of direction, visuals, music. But I do agree, thematically, narratively, it kind of undermines a lot of what the show had been explained up to this point and kind of, in some ways, sells out some of the conviction morality that the characters had. So there's a little bit of a mixed bagginess to it. But overall, since I did enjoy the episode, I will give it a streak. Yeah, I mean, I can't really add anything else that like hasn't already been said. That doesn't really bother me at all, honestly. And that's totally just me. I think I'm going to give this like a good four out of five. Like, I think it is a really good episode and I was really entertained and I didn't mention this earlier, but I do think this episode really like progresses everyone's kind of part of the plot equally. It's clearly in the middle of like its big climax, but I think on its own, it's still a good episode. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with a four out of five. Whoa, guys, I'm getting some kind of transmission. Take it away, Arthur. Hello, this is Arthur checking in from the airport in Drachma. I'm giving this episode five out of five stars. I mean, man, like things are picking up so much. This is like an episode where you're like getting off your seat and cheering, and it really gives you those moments, those action scenes. Al using the Philosopher's Stone, cool character moment of recognizing the souls of people and using it to help others, and his eyes glow all cool. The animation, I feel like you can really see where the budget was going. 
this season, that entire scene of Mei Cheng and Envy in the tunnels, Envy chopping all the immortal soldiers, it just looks so, so, so good. I also thought, like, a funny BS explanation from Pride, like, oh, no, you see, it's fine that I ate gluttony because we're really all one or whatever. And Kimberly's like, oh, is that how that works? Uh, okay, then. And if you feel like including it, here is my guess for Michelle and Mike's rating. I think Michelle gave it 3.5 because he didn't like the Pride helmet tapping moment uh, or maybe tricked and he doesn't care about the lion guy. I think Mike gave it four stars because he liked it, but not as much as the last episode. He probably really liked the immortal soldiers. Uh, I did too. They were creepy as heck. Signing off. We're coming up on the end of this week's episode of Fomero Analyst. So I'd like to take this moment to thank our guests for coming. Thank you so much, Colton Lum. It was a pleasure having you here. Thank you for having us. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, well, no problem. Thanks for inviting us. Where can people find you online? You can find me at Lum Ramiyasha on Twitter. I'll leave it to Colton to tell everyone about where they can find Manga Mavericks. But I also do a podcast called Lum Squad, which is a podcast dedicated to Rumiko Takashi's manga anime series Zero Sayatsura. And I do that with my good friend, Andrew A.C. Yoshimura, and we cover the manga and anime of Yuri Siatsura. And yeah, so if you like Rumiko Takashi stuff, you know, Inuyasha was in a, another classic Adult Swim anime. You can find that on Twitter at Lemonders Girl Squad and on every podcast platform. You can think of Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, you name it. You can also find my manga reviews. I write manga reviews for all-comma.com. And if you like the art I make for my podcast and the art I make in general, animations, illustrations alike, you can find that on my Instagram, at SidArtWorks. But as for me, I'm Colton. You can find me on Twitter, at SniperKing323. I have my own share of like a bunch of podcasts that I produce and host and whatnot. But I guess really the most important podcast I could bring up that Lum and I both host is the Manga Mavericks podcast that you could find at all-comic.com. We're pretty much a weekly show that talks about all things manga, uh, whether it be, you know, all the manga news we have to talk about that includes like new serializations, new licenses from Western publishers. You know, we also talk about whatever we're reading. That's at all-comic.com. And if you want to follow us on Twitter, that's at manga underscore Mavericks. If you're interested in any other podcasts that I do or host or whatever, you could basically find links to those over at my personal blog at coltoncorner.wordpress.com. I have a page basically filled with links and dedicated to all the podcasts I'm doing besides Manga Mavericks that I will not list here. I will be merciful and not keep you guys here for another hour talking about all my stuff. But <laughs> again, if you're interested, coltoncorner.wordpress.com. And that's really about it for our stuff. Before you go, please give us your best full metal alchemist, just like the interstitials. Full metal alchemist. Full Metal Alchemist. And if you want to compromise your morals for a quick fix, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at FM Analysts. That's FM Analysts on Twitter. Subscribe to us on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcast. If possible, leave us a review or recommend the show to a friend. We'd like to thank Sarah Lerner from Managing Our Tumblr. You can check that out at fullmetal-analyst.tumblr.com. But watch out, there are spoilers there. We'd also like to thank Camilla Franklin for doing our podcast art. You can check out more of her work by following her on Instagram, at Camillustrator. If you like this episode and would like to hear more, why not subscribe to our Patreon? For just $2, you receive extended versions of each episode a week early. That's right, you can listen to next week's episode right now by going to patreon.com slash fmanalysts. That'll be all for now. We'll see you next time on Full Metal Analysts. And here's a hint, next week we'll do a ranking of the OPs. So until then, stay frosty, everyone. Bye-bye.